This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. When the clock hits half past 11 on Mondays here on Power Talk, we know that one, we are almost out. We are almost out about to uh, leave and make way for Power Lunch, which comes between 12 and 3. But we never leave without bringing you Africa Center, where we go beyond the borders of South Africa to see what is happening in the world. Not the world just around us, but uh, places of interest uh, and uh, you know news that are making headlines elsewhere. And today we take you to Nigeria, where the pandemic, the COVID-19 pandemic, has had a massive disruption, uh, especially for some people uh, who are unable to work, some people unable to earn or make a livelihood, and this has pushed millions of Nigerians into hunger. And my guest this this morning is going to be uh, Michael Sunbola, president of the Lagos Food Bank. Michael, good morning and welcome to Power Talk. Good morning. Good morning. Good, good to good to be on the show and good to make. Thank you so much, uh, Michael, for making the time. I suppose as the food bank, you are at the heart of understanding questions of poverty in society. Perhaps paint us a picture of the type of work that you were doing before the pandemic, because I I, I have now learned that uh, post the pandemic, the demand has grown 40% higher. Uh, so that's quite a staggering figure. But perhaps paint us a picture here in South Africa of the work that you were doing before the pandemic, before we get into how the pandemic has really affected a number of other people and families. Okay, thank you very much. Um, uh, my name is Michael, and I'm the uh, president CEO of Lagos Food Bank Initiative. We are about food security. We are about ensuring that um, you know we close the food gap in Lagos. Lagos is uh, is is one of the largest growing cities in the world in terms of the population, and um, you know we are about hunger relief. Um, addressing causes of hunger and all the problems associated mm. with hunger through sensitization, um, education, and creating awareness, uh, mobilizing resources, um, and also with community involvement, essentially. That's what we do. We ensure that um, you know, we, 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 we run different programs, programs that have to do with addressing malnutrition, that has to do with um, you know, catering for the most vulnerable in the society. And it's, our program is just like a social safety net. And the food banking model is uh, a model that is well at, uh, accepted and adopted all over the world. Mm. And we started as the first indigenous food bank um, in Nigeria, um, situated in Lagos. And prior to the pandemic, of course, um, just like the, uh, our model has been, we've covered uh, over 126 communities in Lagos. And then serving families who are less privileged, indigent, and don't know where their next meal will come from. So um, we just do this to complement the effort of the government in addressing the needs of the most downtrodden in the society, essentially. So I think that's about it. And um, we run different programs, but the one that is at the core of um, what we do is addressing the immediate and long-term needs of uh, most vulnerable in society. 
And now, Michael, I mean, how do you determine whether somebody is truly needed to to receive your service? Are there certain, uh, you know, criteria that you put in place or anybody who walks into your facilities is able to receive some assistance? Great. So um, we are able to identify most vulnerable people by what we call inspection. So we don't just attend to anybody that walks into our facility mm. just like that. We need to find out, okay, how do you fall into the category of indigent, of uh, vulnerable? Um, we go to communities and profile families. And when we profile them, we then give them the address of the food bank that this is where you can get help. Go into slums, go into um, you know, informal settlements and profile families. When we profile them, like I said, we give them the address of the food bank, or sometimes when it's too far for them to come, we take the food bank to their doorstep, meaning that we drive our truck to that community and attend to the people who have our voucher, who we have profiled before now, and then we attend to them. So basically, it's something that is quite straightforward for us. Now, I mean, the World Bank estimating that the you know the the the, the price shocks experienced in 2020 uh, might have pushed seven million additional Nigerians into poverty, and uh, this increase uh, really worrying a lot of people in your facilities. It seems as if you have also seen some growth in terms of the people that come looking for assistance. When you look at those people and you are profiling them, Michael, are they some of the people who were participating either in the informal economy or were employed and are now without work and ability to generate a livelihood? Okay. So, um, things have changed dramatically. Um, Dramatically in the sense that uh, a whole lot of people are are facing hunger as we speak. Mm. And you know, before the, the, the pandemic, of course, um, food prices had been gone this, this high. Um, we reach out to those like in the informal settlements and all of that. But now things have changed. Now we see people who ordinarily would not even imagine coming for, you know, assistance, food assistance. Um, you know, call our phone lines and say that, see, I need help. I don't have a job anymore. I lost mm. my job. Um, the numbers have increased by 40%. Uh, food prices have increased over 100%, normal general staple food. And um, of course, this is global, but the one that is currently happening in Nigeria is far higher now in terms of, of course, Nigeria is you know, among the countries with the high rate of food inflation as we speak now, one of the mm. countries is area of food inflation. And you know, coupled with the fact that um, you know there's flooding, climate change, insurgency, the lockdown, you know, I demand for food and low production, closure of borders that happened, like you know, the government of Nigeria closed the borders sometime last year for so that we could um, you know make use of the, get what we produce ourselves. But the, 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 the production wasn't enough to, mm. to cater for the demand, and that made the food prices go up. Now we are, we are reaping the, 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 you know, the effect of that decision, and food prices have really gone up. Many people are now calling for help, for help, and people that would never have even imagined now. So we've moved out from informal settlements into normal average communities, serving them.
making provisions for for their needs temporarily, spending the time um, you know, things get to balance. So. That's what we're faced with right yeah. now. Uh, my guest is the president of the Lagos Food Bank, uh, Michael Sunbola, uh, taking us through on how the pandemic, COVID-19 pandemic, has been devastating um, in Nigeria and the increases that they are seeing on you know citizens that are looking for some assistance uh, from the food bank. If you want to you know hear from Michael, whether you are interested in understanding how their food bank works, uh, some of the dynamics that are there on the ground in Lagos, uh, you can. Be a dial, you can dial us on 0861-987-000 to be part of this conversation this morning here on Power Talk uh, on Power 98.7. Michael, it also seems as if the pandemic has frustrated your work as well as the, as the food bank because um, to, to acquire some goods, uh, such as, for example, a bag of beans, uh, that used to cost about 30,000 naira before COVID, uh, now takes about 65,000 naira. And this forces you to cut down on some of the food you can package in each pack. Yes, yes. Even even the, 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 the price is not even 65 now. As of yesterday, it's now 72,000. Sure. 72,000, 76,000, depending on where you are buying from. Mm. And this was what... For instance, beans is one of the most nutritious staple food in Nigeria accorded by that is supposed to be accessible to everybody. Mm. Uh, but just imagine how the price of beans, one of the most basic nutritious food we have, has gone up by double. Um, more than 100% increase. So for us at the food bank, uh, there, there, this also has implications in terms of the fact that what we would have used to feed, say, 100 families, now we used to feed 30 families mm. because of the price. That, that's just an example I'm giving. What, you know, so just start put it into thousands of families that we, that we reach out to. And, um, and we are looking at if Food Bank, with all our resources that are disposable, can be having this challenge of, having to reach out to people and having to cut down on uh, what, what what we purchase uh, to store in. Now we are even looking at the, the, the vendors are telling us it's better you buy now and store because the price will keep going up. You know, we were told then two months ago, but we didn't eat it. Now we wish we eat we, 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 we needed to the advice at that then. So, but of course, it's affecting prices of, of rice has, has gone up, even Gary. These are basic staple food that um, you know that 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 should be available to the most and, average uh, Nigerian. And Ma- Michael, are you happy with government efforts to alleviate the burden on poor people, to alleviate the burden on organizations such as yourselves, which are really trying to provide the social security? But as you are saying, as the prices escalate, it affects the number of people that you can service. Yes, um, the our efforts, of course, um, by all means, is, is designed to complement the efforts of the government. Um, you know, this whole exchange rates, um, you know, devaluation uh, of, of, of our Naira and exchange rates um, going high is affecting a whole lot across the supply chain and it's also affecting. This 
sometimes I won't say even beyond the, the, the control of the government, these are forces that are determining a whole lot of things. All we can do is just to have a more structured social safety net in place for the most vulnerable. Because these are people who don't even have the access to internet. They don't mm. even have the access to some of these facilities that they can even use to vent their 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 plight. And those are the ones we reach out to. Um, we also, like I said, we work with mobilizing resources. There are people who donate money to us for us to help feed families. Um, and all we do is just ensure that, um, you know, we are able to at least close that hunger gap to an extent, you know, Lagos. And, uh, and, and we then work with other partners, other nonprofit organizations who serve other remote areas. They come, we call them partner agencies. Mm. They come, they, they pick food from our warehouse and go serve their communities, you know, where we might not be able to get to because of logistics. So they do all of that. And we work with about, you know, 200 of those nonprofit organizations who come to, um, you know, uh, pick up food from us. We, we are very much um, in tune with what um, Food for South Africa is doing as well. We've also learned a whole lot from them. You know, and they are doing something similar to what we are doing um, in, in Lagos. And of, of course, we also belong to the same network. So well, it, it, you can look at their model and what we do and how we then identify, of course, the most vulnerable to bridge the gap and ensure that at least um, people saw, have a level of hope. You know, when there is no hope, there's no future. And that's what um, we are trying to do. Um, to, to, to as, as we speak now, most Nigerians, I've caught their meals from, you know, three square meals to, to two square meals because if you, for you to have three square meals is, is, is a whole lot right now, you know, for most average and, and low-income earners, you know. So, uh, and this has health implications because you have to eat well to be healthy. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. My, my guest is Michael Sunbola, president at the Lagos Food Bank. Let's just take a short break, uh, Michael, and I'll be back with you. If you want to be part of the conversation, that dial is 0861-987-000 on the Twitter streets at Lukonamguni, hashtag Power Talk. Power Talk with Lukonamguni, weekdays 9 a.m. to noon on Power 98.7. It is about, what, now nine minutes uh, to the hour, 12 o'clock. We're almost done here on Africa Center uh, with my guest, Michael Sunbola, president at the Lagos Food Bank, taking us through on the impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic and how it has disrupted a lot of life and pushed millions of Nigerians uh, into hunger and what it is that they are doing uh, to play a role insofar as, you know, mitigating some of the effects of this uh, pandemic. Uh, Michael, I've got Mark on Twitter who says, I must ask, uh, d- d- does your food bank collect even from the USA and other intercontinental areas? I suppose it's just a general understanding. How do you uh, get some of the foodstuffs that you are able to give out to different people in society? Okay, thank you very much, uh, Mark. Oh, of course, uh, the, the 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 support we have right now, we currently don't have any partnership with USAID um, or the World Food Program. Uh, the, we currently uh, are in partnership with the Global Food Banking Network, and they are supporting it a, whole, um, a great deal in terms of finances and, of course, with um, connecting with partners and across the supply chain that would supply food to us. Uh, 
But of course, uh, we we have just been able to, you know, have create a network, mm. um, you know, connection within local support, local supporters, people who donate in, uh, you know, bits and pieces, uh, you know, to just support what we do. And we are able to gather that at the end of the month, purchase more food, serve people. Um, at the moment as well, we also don't have any partnership, uh, formal partnership with the government. So what we are doing is just civil, private, and uh, and, and, and serve the, the people who are most vulnerable. Mm. So basically, no, 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 no partnership with the U.S. at this time. And Michael, how difficult is it to ensure, you know, a balanced basket that you give to people? For lack of a better word, I'll just call it a basket. But, you know, in terms of nutritional value, because we know that in some areas, particularly where children are concerned, um, uh, in the states of Adamawa, Bono and Yobe, uh, where children under five are said to be at a risk of acute malnutrition, numbering as much as 400,000. How difficult is it for you to ensure, uh, you know, that your basket that you send to people is nutritionally balanced, especially when we are talking under this new climate of COVID-19 where there have been these significant price shocks in the market? Yes. yes. So, um, we, like I said, we are we're about ensuring improved nutrition. Uh, we, we are nutrition focused. Um, we have a whole lot of um, uh, dietitians, nutritionists in our team that ensure that there is some form of balance. Um, and that's why I was really, really concerned about, uh, you know, the price of beans and the fact that it's one of the most basic, uh, you know, highly nutritious foods that balances our carbohydrates. Mm. Um, you know, so it's, it's, we ensure that we are able to, um, you know, make, to, to just have some form of balance in the kind of food we give out. And then we have a program um, called the Nutrition Intervention for Vulnerable Women and Children. This program targets improvement of nutrition. Um, we, we work with uh, primary healthcare centers to, to take children from their state of malnourishment to um, a, a, a well-nourished state. And, and um, we, we, we are very mindful about um, the, uh, what we give and how it affects uh, the nutrition of, of, of our beneficiary. This is at the core of what we do. And um, depending on the kind of support we get as well, knowing that we are private, is that, um, you know, the more support we get, the more we are able to, to also increase the, the nutritional value of what we give, right? So uh, it's all kind of based on the amount of partnership and support. But the, the least we could do, at least we are ensuring that um, despite the price of beans, we still ensure that it's there um, and some other items, uh, food items that actually increase our nutritional level are also being added to our food basket that we give to beneficiaries. And then, Michael, I'm just wondering, insofar as, you know, other response measures from the government, such as vaccine rollout, which is seen as one of the important tools in the fight against COVID-19, which will allow, you know, for people to be able to try and go back to some level of uh, functionality, generate their livelihoods, no doubt it is important to get to a space where people can work again and generate a livelihood. Are you happy as to how your government there in Nigeria is handling the question on vaccination rollout? 
Well, um, as as it is now um, for for vaccination, um, I would say that the government they are trying their best um, in this regard, but we are still far behind in terms of um, you know having to have vaccination circulated. Of course, they are still expecting more um, uh, uh, more vaccination to come in. I think by September. But at the moment, of course, they are trying their best, but uh, not many people have been have had the access to to to, to vaccination at this time. Um, but like I said, the government is doing all they can to ensure that uh, you know this this um, vaccines. And I think it's a challenge with most African countries. Mm-hmm. Sense that um, you know the, this whole vaccination and what is supposed to come to African countries are not um, coming as much as they should. However, um, you know, we just continue to... And people are resilient as well. They, despite this, people are going to their businesses and all of that, but just the market forces and uh, exchange rates is affecting a whole lot and affecting prices of food. You know, what comes in isn't enough to, 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 to put food on the table sustainably. And that is the challenge we are having. Um, you know, as 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 a country, basically. So, you know, where you have a lot of your population living on less than two dollars per day, what do you expect? You know, mm-hmm. people have pre-COVID, and now post-COVID, we have this challenge. So, it's 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 something that we hope that um, you know more people can just rise up to help assist the government rather than criticize, because that, that's what we are doing. We everybody just has to do something. You know, and just like Mandela said, we have um, you know limited time to, to to spend here, you know, to transform our country into what we want to see become. So we all have a role to play. You know, not just criticize the government, right? So, and we're doing us. Absolutely. Michael, I must thank you so much uh, for making time for us this morning here on Power Talk on Power 98.7 in Johannesburg. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.